0: Welcome to the Endoscope Podcast, new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the Endoscope Podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And also, make sure to check out the War Media site at WeAreGoradio.com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the Indisco Podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. Do I need to explain anything? Because y'all know what time it is. This is ITS. This is the one and only In The Scope podcast with your boy, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer for War Media. And today's guest is a very special one. You know, last time we had the show, we had Craig Hodges. But this time, you know, I had to keep the flow going. I had to keep getting the (laughs) great show, man. I had to keep the greats coming. And this guy is truly someone in Chicago that, you know... He he has he knows what he's talking about when it comes to sports and fitness. He is someone that has experience as being a former Chicago Bulls trainer. He's also a former uh training coach at Purdue for Purdue. And at the same time, this dude has a is part of a really intriguing fitness company called Future. Not the rapper, by the way.
1: <laughs> but this yeah, guy's the google search tough right now
0: right <laughs> most definitely but this guy i'm really interested to hear his perspective on, on on health and fitness and especially when it comes to professional sports and the climate that we're in with the pandemic and throwing everything off i'm really intrigued to get his viewpoints on those things especially with his company uh, future that being said this man deserves a special introduction his name is josh Bonatov. Got it, Bonita. That got it. See, that's what I'm talking about. I got it. Thank you, man. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. And how yeah. are you doing,
1: man? I'm great. I'm I'm excited to to be on. Like I said, we we were talking a bit before, man. I got I'm following in big footsteps with with Craig Hodges, but you know one one of the things I always tell my players about me is you know I might not have made it to the league, but I had in the gym range. So that's one thing me and Craig got in common. You know. I don't know. I don't know if I still got that jumper today, but um, it didn't get me very far though
0: either. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it, at least today. If imagine if you had, you said you had the the jumper. I'm interested to see how do you think you would have fared off today, because today is the shooting league
1: now. Yeah. Man, it's it's a it's a completely different game. That's that's one of my like reliving my glory days was. Uh, you know, high school basketball. We we had one of those old school coaches where it was like, you know, we we ran uh, we ran swing offense, and it was like you couldn't take a jump shot unless you ran through the swing three or four times. The only shot you allowed us to take was a layup. And I was coming out there like all summer. I'm working on pulling up from the volleyball line, like you know, when I play summer league and and pickup games and that. And then. Uh, you know it's just a totally different different game today which is is so cool to see is i think for such a long time you know things are passed on of like you kind of put players game in a box because this is the way you know to to play the game or or things like that and i think it's really incredible when you start to especially challenge you know on the elite level when you talk about guys like Steph and Dame Lillard, but even the guys coming up behind that, Trey Young and and all these others is like you see what happens when you start to give some free reign to those guys to just start getting creative and and working on stuff. Um, And one of the things I always talk about, and I'm sure we'll get into this, um, you know, I think throughout my entire career with the Bulls and at Purdue, The biggest thing I always say, like the the biggest impact that we could ever have as coaches on our guys is confidence, man. Confidence is just a complete game. And you see, obviously, those guys have have earned it over time, but they most certainly have had coaches in their life along the way, giving them the confidence to go out and try those things and try it in a game and fail and, you know, miss Dame, miss from half court. But it's a good shot for him because he works on it. So, um it's I think I missed my time you know but I was undersized I got small hands so you know it, it probably it wasn't in the cards for me I don't think
0: <laughs> I hear you man I hear you but I mean obviously I'm a i am I was a little bit of a sharpshooter myself back when I was in hooping
1: okay. in college a little bit
0: of a flame had a little bit of a flame before I you know decided to I hang my jersey but yep. at the end of at the end of the day, though, we're pursuing, you know, we're doing our thing within our careers. I'm doing my thing in the yeah, general exactly. Career, and mm-hmm. I'm continuing to advance in that. You are doing your thing in the fitness realm. And then this yeah, is like the health and fitness realm. So mm-hmm. take me back to the beginning of that of that career. What was it like for you to start to get into that uh,
1: that industry? How did you get into that industry? And when did you know that this is something you really wanted yeah. to do? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, like what we've been talking about and, and alluding to is, I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin called Lake Geneva, which is about an hour and a half north of Chicago. I grew up right in the heart of the Jordan years. So, I mean, I was I was a diehard Bulls fan. I watched, you know, Johnny Red Kerr, you know, every <laughs> single game I'm watching. Um, I'm tuned in preseason, doesn't matter. My whole life revolved around that. And from as early as I could remember, you couldn't tell me any different. I was going to play for the Bulls one day and that was my whole that was my whole purpose that was you know and like we were just got done talking about I really I wasn't that good of a a basketball player you know I didn't I didn't make it to your level I played through high school Um, but I was also that kid where you know my my friends are clowning me and everything like that but you couldn't tell me any different I kind of hung on to that dream but the thing that I was at least smart enough to realize is like if I don't make it as a player, you know, on the off chance, you know, um, I got to find another way in. So what's, what's so to speak like my backup plan. And it led me down this path where I had really fallen in love with the process of training and developing and becoming a better athlete, becoming a better player. And as, as I started to try and learn for myself, how to, you know, lift weights, condition, things like that. I started realizing, realize, man, this is a real job. Like you can go and coach in the NBA, being a strength and conditioning coach, sports performance coach. So it was late high school, early college. I already knew that that was the path I wanted to go. And so I think that gave me a head start because already in high school, I was studying who are the people in positions that I would hope to one day get to. You know, what are the commonalities amongst them? What has been their path? What are the outliers? Because success leaves clues. And, and I started following along the way with that. And, and one of the stories I always love to tell was actually in third grade, my third grade teacher gave us this assignment. It was write a letter to your future self 15 years from now. Where will you be? What will you be doing? And I still have no idea how she did this. But 15 years later, I got that letter in the mail. I, was, I had just graduated college. I was living back at home with my parents. And so I come home one day, I get this letter in the mail, open it up, it's this little chicken scratch with the terrible drawing. And it was just one line. It said, I will be the starting point guard of the Chicago Bulls. And that was my full circle moment because literally it was either my first or second week as an intern with the Bulls. So as soon as I graduated, I'd gotten an internship with the Bulls. So now I'm, I'm 22. I'm not, you know, I'm not playing point. Um, but for me, like I had made it, you know, that that was my dream. Um, and then from getting that opportunity, it's how do you maximize it? How do you make the most of it? And I was actually commuting every day from Lake Geneva to Deerfield. So it's hour and a half, two hour commute, you know, each way depending on traffic and all that. And, um, you know, the one thing was every single day I'd go into that day is today is my job interview. Today is the day that they'll decide whether or not they want to hire me, you know, because I knew that A, the assistant job is, is going to open up eventually, you know, it's, it's just a matter of time, but B, even if it doesn't, if I approach each day that way, these guys are going to go out of their way to help me, you know, kind of get the next thing. And, and so I think with that mindset was what led to, you know, I spent a, a season as an intern Um, And really grew into the role where they treated me like a second assistant. So I had responsibilities beyond what any intern prior to me um, had had. And then I spent a year away, did some traveling. I was in Australia, ended up uh, working in Boston for a bit. And at the end of that year, going into the next season, uh, the assistant did leave for a head NBA job and they called me back. So I'm 24 is when I, you know, came back and, and took over as as the assistant with the Bulls which coincidentally was Derrick Rose rookie year. So, was able to spend those 3 years, the first 3 years of of Derrick's career with him which, you know, we all we all know that journey was a, is an incredible rise from you know, he was rookie of the year that first year to my my last year was the year he won MVP. So, you know, just some some incredible times there.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's crazy how that time that timeline came into like the right timing for you, especially with to Derrick Rose story. You briefly—it's yeah. it's a two-part question coming up because you briefly talked yep. about how you looked up mentors as you was going up and coming trying mm-hmm. to come up in the ranks to prepare yourself for people that you wanted. You sort of looked up to to fulfill mm-hmm. the goal that you wanted to achieve. Who were some of those mentors, and how did they impact you when it came to? Ultimately, taking that assistant position, yeah. which especially in the, in a time frame where Derrick Rose was a hot shot when he first got into the league, oh, yeah. mean, and he had oh, high yeah. expectations coming from Simeon, Chicago kid, <laughs> yes. did great things at Memphis. Yes. I think they only lost like maybe one game at Memphis. Yeah,
1: exactly. Title game, yep. which yep. was an yep. un-
0: incredible exactly. season as, as already mm-hmm. as is, and then you go from all of that success. To coming back home as the number one pick yes. for, the, oh, for yeah. the for the for the Bulls franchise, I talk about yeah. how dealing with what you dealt with in the past and learning from mentors that you looked up to really propelled you for a really big opportunity that involved literally the Bulls' biggest star since Michael Jordan.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Again, I think it was it was something where just early on my drive to get better and pour my, you know, I had this passion, obviously, for basketball. And so in that process, in that drive to get better, I was constantly seeking out anyone who could help me, anyone who, who knew more than who knew more than I did. And I think when you when you think about it, and when you when you study, especially uh, mastery of, of any discipline and and having mentors along the way, It's a lot of how it works. Like when we think about Tiger Woods, you know, who was his first mentor and his first coach was obviously his dad from a very early age. And that was the person that helped get him from kind of A to B in his journey. But then it got to a point in his journey where um, essentially he'd outgrown his dad as the mentor. And now it was time to, you know, work with someone else and kind of level up um, in terms of a new mentor to take them to that, to that next step. And so I I think along my path, that's a lot of what it was, was even early. It was just, who are the people at the YMCA in my hometown that, you know, I I come in and I see is the biggest, strongest people in the gym and just start bugging them, asking them questions. And then through that, as you build relationships, you know, each relationship kind of leads to the next, each opportunity kind of leads to the next. And, um, also, I think it's, you know, you got to, you got to beat down doors. So then when it became relevant, when I was in, when I was in college, um, you know, for instance, I I had built a relationship with a buddy who I'd always played basketball with at the CoreC that was the student manager for the basketball team at Wisconsin. And, you know, I didn't ask him right away, but after we'd been friends for a good six months, I was, Hey, by the way, um, could you introduce me to the head strength coach for the basketball team and by that point we have a relationship he knows what I'm about I didn't just come in day one I find out he's a manager and asked for this introduction you know and it's I think a lot of it is you think about um being a giver just in general so even as a mentee how can I give how can I add value to this other person um and even one of the ways to do that is circling back like when they when they pour into you um when they tell you maybe to Go learn something or read a book or, you know, whatever, follow through on that, circle back, tell them what you learned, how the impact it had on you to show that, you know, their time was valuable, spent with you to, to help develop you. Um, but anyways, going back to that, that was one where I was able to to get in to observe a session and and that was gonna be my break. It was like, I'm going to, you know. Kind of when the session's up, I'm gonna ask him, hey, can I help volunteer? I'll do anything. I'll get your coffee. I'll you know, get your dry cleaning, whatever you, you know, just to, to get in there. And he said no. But he was like, anytime you wanna come back to observe a session, just let me know. So every two to three months, I just come up with an excuse to hit him up and come back in every two to three months at the end of the session. I ask the same question. Same answer every time, no. Um, And this went on for a good two and a half, three years. And it was through that persistence where finally he said yes. So I think along your journey, you know, some, and he became obviously one of my biggest mentors, which also unlocked um, two other coaches I ended up working with at Wisconsin who happened to have one of them had interned with the Bulls previously, and the other one was very close with ultimately my boss with the Bulls. And so it was, you know, it's that combination of, yes, relationships lead to the next opportunities, lead to the next, um, but also, you know, being persistent. Like, don't don't take that first no. Keep keep coming back. Keep coming back. Um, And then along the way, it's it's just been, it's been you know, this idea of surround yourself with with excellence is something I've always tried to do. Is like, who are who are the best people in the world in whatever discipline. I'm trying to learn and and how can I how can I connect with them some way? How can I learn from them? Um, and then over time, as you build those relationships, then what's what's I think really powerful, what sets you up to be successful in your journey is those become the peop- people who are your counsel. So when you're you know when you're kind of navigating, whether it's your career path or big decisions, now you have these people as kind of the strength in your counsel. Um, guiding you along the way.
0: You met Derrick Rose in 2008 when he was first <laughs> drafted, and that was your very first real opportunity as an assistant trainer for the condition close with the Bulls. Talk about what was like your first moments, really meeting him, and how and how did that come to play?
1: Man, Derrick is someone who I always talk about. I mean, that is he's one of the most impressive dudes. I've ever been around and you know, everybody knows the athletic talents and, and kind of the gifts he had on on the basketball court. Um, But what always stood out to me was who Derek is as a person, just the, the humility, you know, that, that he has um, the, you know, the, the way in which he kind of carried himself. Now he's, he's, he's very much an introvert. So for the longest time, especially early, you know, speaking in public, giving interviews, stuff like, like talking to people he didn't really know, he wasn't really close with, was kind of hard for him. You know, he had to, he had to kind of learn that. Um, But what you saw was, you know, obviously he's a 18, 19 year old kid at the time, number one pick in his home city, everything that you just mentioned. Um, And, you know, I think at, at the time it's, it's when, social media is starting to come out. And so you're seeing this rise of, of superstars. And, and I think, you know, a lot of, and right, wrong and different, we think back to like the decision with LeBron and, you know, make this bit. And Derek was never about that, you know? And I think just his humility, especially as he rise, he, as he rose, um, I always to me, it was like he was the most humble superstar you could imagine. And just, how polite, how respectful he was. I mean, even with me, you know, I was 24 when I'm coaching. I coach him, he's like, yes, sir. You know, it's like, just (laughs) stuff like that. Uh, You know, just all those little things. But you could tell, especially his mom, obviously, you know, raised him right. Very high character. Um, Incredibly curious, you know. And, and But it took time. You had to build that relationship with him to where now he really started to open up to you. You know, and I think he was someone... Where and I learned this lesson along the way with a lot of people, but you you really saw the value and the impact of building a relationship and genuinely taking an active interest in this other person. And it it doesn't matter like this dude is on top of the world in basketball; he's a superstar. But we're all people, so I think it it applies across the board. And you know, it's one of the things I think intuitively I learned through coaching, and I learned through you asked about my mentors, so. You know, obviously Eric Allen and Al Meal, who are the strength coaches there, are big mentors. But even I mean, we have players like Lindsey Hunter, Kurt Thomas, PJ Brown, my very first year of vets, um, who've been around. You know, Adrian Griffin. I'm expected to coach them, but really, they were teaching me lessons every single day on life and coaching. And one of those intuitive lessons was, you know, this this idea of kind of collecting and connecting dots, which. Now at Future, um, that's one of the biggest things that I think we've leveraged on to set us apart is how do we really collect and connect dots with this other person? And, and it's taking an interest in this person. What is important to them? Who are the important people in their life? What's going on in their life? What are they passionate about? What you know, All these sorts of things, um, finding that out is collecting dots, but then later, how do you connect that? And over time, what you do is you sort of form, you know, this tribe. And, and Derek, one of the things that always stood out to me um, that I just thought was special was, you know, my last year was when he won MVP. As soon as that season finished, it was literally two days later, I started with Purdue. We lost to Miami Conference Finals. Two days later, I started with Purdue. And so then fast forward after the lockout, I think it was the first preseason game in Indianapolis. They were playing – and so I come down for the game and after the game, Derek made a point to come because he knew I was there. So he made a point to come out where, you know, the family sits. And I'm asking him about, you know, how's, how's he doing? How's his life? He just got, man, Josh, I want to know about you. What's going on? How's Purdue? I've been watching y'all play. You know, and like Derek is, Derek is watching Purdue basketball for no other reason than he knows that I'm there. And this at a time you know this is before his injury is all he's on top of the world and that was always just it was something that it's a little thing but to me it was a, it was a big thing um but again it just shows the power of taking that interest and in building a relationship
0: everybody listening right now you're listening to former chicago bulls trainer josh Bonathal. Um, you talked about how you just de- how over time you developed this relationship with derrick rose and obviously, you didn't coach. You coached his MVP season, but after that, you mm-hmm. had to transition to your new to your new gig. Yep. that was the year that Derrick Rose first started the injury bug, right? Where he yeah. really had to yeah. ACL in the playoffs and things of that mm-hmm. sort. Were you able to keep in touch with him during those things? Did he call you for advice, coaching wise, from the strength and conditioning perspective? Were you able to have those type of uh,
1: dialogues with him? On. Um- No, on, on, on that side of things, you know, I really, I really stayed out of it. Um, He, now he'd always give me a hard time anytime. Like if I was back in Chicago or like I said, they'd be in Indy for a game. I'd come down. He'd give me a hard time. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta call me, you gotta text me, stuff like that. I'm, I'm, you know, at the time, my (laughs) thought is like, man, everybody's trying to get at you, Derek. Like, I'm just, I'm trying to leave you be, I'm trying to, you know, give you some space, but you know, he he was in and it was still my mentor at the time. He was in incredibly you know, capable hands. I, I think you just you have such a crazy series of events because I think one of the things people forget is the lockout happened that year. And Derek was somebody who when he came to, to us with the Bulls, he'd never trained. He'd never been in a, even at Memphis they just kind of let him be. He, he, was, he was very standoffish to the weight room. You know, never, he wasn't comfortable in there. Um, Memphis kind of stayed hands off. Um, and so it wasn't until he came to us where we started to train a little bit. And I think what we did was we thought about how can we meet him where he's at. And one of the things most people don't necessarily think intuitively, he's such an incredible athlete. But he was a novice in, in the weight room in terms of training. So it wasn't like we're, we're loading up a bar on his back or things like that. It was, you know, especially early on, how do we get him comfortable? How do we meet him where he's at? And so it's a lot of body weight type stuff, isometrics, just basic foundational movements, teaching him how to move, building the confidence. But like I said earlier, building that relationship to where now he enjoys coming, you know, he trusts us, he enjoys coming in and it helps him. And I think one of the things that you saw in his first three years, and I always say this too, if, if, if I ever told you, if anybody ever told you, oh yeah, like, you know, we helped Derek get faster and more explosive, I'm either delusional or I'm straight up lying to you. I mean, Derek had that. Now, what we did was we helped him kind of be Derek Rose 100% more consistently throughout the game, throughout the season. And year one, the challenge was, you know, he'd never trained before and his diet was everything you read about the the gummy worms, the candy, all that. And so year one was almost like, let's just introduce him to real food. I mean, it was a win for us going from like candy to maybe getting McDonald's or Burger King. You know, that sounds crazy. But it's like, again, if we try to go from candy to let's eat grilled chicken and, and salmon and, you know, um, all this stuff its not going to work. So you have to creep it. And we're doing the same thing with training in the off season. He's being pulled so many different places with Adidas and, you know, all these things. Um, So I think each year we were able to make some progress in season um, and then off season, you don't, you know, you, you, and this is common with a lot of guys, you don't see them. So it breaks the continuity. Then we'd build back on it the next year. And by that third year, when he won MVP, The thing that I think we were able to help him with was what you saw throughout that year was he was able to be himself um, throughout an entire game. And I think one of the biggest reasons he won MVP that year was not even what he's doing at the start or the end of a game. It was what he was doing in the middle. Anytime a team would go on a run, Derek had it in him physically to turn on his gas and go 100% and just end that run. You know, it's all those little things where year one, year two, he couldn't couldn't quite do that and he was able to sustain it over a longer season. Well, we finished that season, it goes late and now you go right into the lockout. So starting July one, anyone from the team can't even, I mean, you couldn't send them a text to congratulate them on something. Like you can't have any communication And so now he went this extended period until basically middle of December, and you're going right into training camp. And, you know, he's not necessarily um, training during that time in terms of the physical – he's doing everything on the court, but maybe not as much there. um, You know, and then then you're going into, I think, a three-day training camp, and then they start the season with a back-to-back-to-back on the road. You know, and it was just – I think you saw it, obviously it was magnified with Derek, but there were so many other guys that went through it. Um, And, you know, it was just, I think, I think it, you know, kind of, it was just all these, all these factors, you know, wrong place, wrong time, all this stuff, you know, just, just adding up. So um, it was, nah, that was, that's, I think that's been a hard time for all of us to, to think back of man, like where, where he was headed and kind of what that, you know, what, what happened as, as a result, you know, just, but to think about everything he's battled back from just that, that, that motivation and that drive to keep coming back, you know, I think is says so much about his, his character as well.
0: And that's the next thing I want to tap into because obviously he's made his comebacks to where he's putting up pretty much MVP numbers, um, that you're mm-hmm. like, accustomed to seeing when it comes to the MVP Derrick Rose. He may not have the same athleticism per se, but he still got some nice pep stuff. He got still got a nice little belt. Oh, yeah. He, oh and, yeah. And his skill set has been that much more refined. Yeah, uh, to where he can actually you know play the the regular the regular skill set that he has without having to do too much to his game. Um. Mm-hmm obviously you weren't there when, you know, he went through his injury bugs and things of that sort, but he had to go through a lot of training. He had to go through a lot of oh, yeah. mental um, health issues per se, and including mm-hmm. the confidence to get yeah. back to where he's at now. You said yeah. part of your job was, as a trainer was to help give him that confidence. Mm-hmm. I wonder, in your opinion, maybe the basis, like the, the basic things that you guys had to teach him over time do you think that really benefited him so that when he went through these hardships, he was able to utilize some of that motivation that he was able to build um, from those days to build
1: forward? You know, I, I mean, I hope maybe it did. I mean, I also, you know, I think I think one thing one thing for me is, you know, kind of having having the humility of like, especially in Derek and his journey to realize like at the end of the day, like I'm not that important. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, I was able to hopefully have some influence and, and impact over time. But I think that's also one of the things that helps you have impact and influence in the lives of others. And especially when you talk about elite athletes is because it's not about me, it's about them. It's about helping them. And it's about kind of setting aside your ego to understand, um, you know, in, in, in the grand scheme, it's, you know, it's about them. I think, you know, hopefully just even, giving him some confidence in, in starting to understand how, how to train and, and build some trust there. Um, But, you know, I think, and again, like you said, I wasn't there for it, but it's something that you see commonly and especially with really high level athletes, if they have a major injury, you know, like my, my first year at um, Purdue, we had Robbie Hummel who was in his fifth year coming off his second ACL injury. And he's someone I think everybody remembers before the first one, he was a lottery pick. He's probably coming out that year, you know? And, um, and so we had him or I had him, my, my first year was his last year. He ended up, he played every single game. It was the first year in his career. He never missed a game. Um, But kind of along that journey. And I was there for the, for the tail end of it is yeah, you, you do go through, those moments, those dark moments where you feel alone a little bit, I think you, you feel some, some kind of depression, doubt. You feel isolated because all your teammates are out there playing, doing things that you should be out there with them. And you're off on the sideline or you're in the training room. And so I think, you know, for especially someone like Derek, that's where the, the people around him, his family, um, some of his really close friends who are always with him. And obviously that coaching network, you know, I think, I think, and again, I wasn't there for it, but I think you have to really, you know, hats off to to them of, of just being there for someone during that time. Like, you know, showing that you're there for them, showing that, you know, because I think the other thing is a lot of these elite athletes, they get their identity so wrapped up into who they are as a player. And so now all of a sudden that's taken away you know, overnight. Um, and so having people in your support system and especially as coaches, I think that's the biggest thing you do is like, I'm here for it. Like it, nothing's changed about our relationship just because you're hurt, you know? And I think, I think they go through this struggle of um, kind of being less than during that time, you know, and, and sort of, sort of reminding them that their identity is not that being there with them, understanding you know, how and when the reason you're able to do this is because you formed a tribe with them because you collected and connected dots, you know, when to just put an arm around them, you know, but, but other times, because you have that relationship, you can give them a kick in the butt. You can give them some tough love, like, man, quit feeling sorry for you, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, I haven't talked to Derek about it, but I'm sure he had those conversations along the way, but you can't do that alone. Like what he's done, obviously is a massive tribute to him, but he's, he has uh, this support system around him to help keep him along the way. And that's, that's for any of us, you know, there is, there's no such thing as the individual success story or the overnight success story. And I think that's, that's one of the things, and it's like, you know, with future, that's one of the big things that we're trying to bring is like, for Derek to have the support system, not just his family, but the experts around him. Um, and they're in his life every single day and they know him and they have a relationship. That's the thing that helps keep him going. But then for 99% of us, we don't have that, you know? And, and so I think that's, that's also, when we think about like with what I'm doing now, that's the missing piece is like, how do we take what say someone like Derek had that support, that foundation of that relationship um to help people get healthier to help people you know stay on track
0: that's very good analysis my man i appreciate that <laughs> um but you said obviously aside from uh, Derek rose um and you training him before okay before i jump into that next point let's stick let's stick to this one last question with Derek rose sure i want you to give me your favorite moments of working with Derek rose
1: I think, I mean, there's so many, um, but I think the one that stands out to me was the thing I learned early on about Derek, especially with the, the humility that he had, um, like, I, I remember even when we were, and I wasn't in the room, but when we were interviewing him before the, uh, before the draft that year, and if you remember, it was, everybody was saying it was him and Michael Beasley, like, 1A, 1B. Mm-hmm. And I remember our, our staff telling me this story later was they got him in that room and they're asking him about, you know, um, Michael Beasley and if he's basically if he's better, who should be the number one pick. And Derek being as humble as he is, you know, was just saying glowing things about Michael what a great player Michael Beasley is and, and this and that. And when they started to push him on it, finally, he broke down in tears and just talked about how, like, he didn't want to disrespect anything about what Michael Beasley had put into the game, and what a talented player he was, but he didn't want to be perceived as, as being arrogant, or any, you know, and he truly believed what a great player Beasley was, but he broke in tears talking about why he was the number one pick, and it wasn't, it wasn't arrogance, it wasn't, you know, it was because he'd worked for it, and, and how much it meant to him, and how much it meant to him To play in the city of Chicago. And um, you know, and then you see what what he did as he came in to to prove a lot of what he said he would do. And so I learned this early with Derek, where it was like, if Derek makes a problem, like Derek doesn't just speak to be heard. Like if Derek says something, it's gonna happen. And so my 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 greatest memory with Derek was it's media day, my last year in Chicago my my third Derek's third season and I forget exactly how the question got asked but that but somebody asked him about who would be the MVP that year mm-hmm. and Derek in that moment and he said it very humbly like he didn't it wasn't arrogant and he just kind of said he was like why not me he was like it's no disrespect to there's unbelievable players in this league He was like, but I just know, I know how hard I work. I know, you know, and on and on and on. He gave kind of valid reasons of his effort and the work he'd put in. And I remember driving from, because we were at the Birdo in Deerfield. So I'm driving, I lived in the city. I remember driving back home and the whole drive home, I was just like in shock. I was like, man, Derek's going to win the MVP this year. Like that's crazy. Like in that moment, we hadn't even played a game. It was media day, but Mm. I knew in that moment, Derek saying that with the conviction, the humility that he said it, and knowing what he's about, it was a foregone conclusion. Cause I'd learned that in coaching him was like, it's going to happen. And then fast forward, you know, that's exactly what he did.
0: Everybody listening right now, you're listening to Josh Bonathal. Um, Josh, man, you said you've coached or trained six other All-Stars. Just for my curiosity, who were those six? Because I have,
1: I have thoughts. <laughs> I want to see who, who those six man. were. Now you you putting me on the spot. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember everybody, man. Um, you know, and, and some of them was, like, either before or after our time together. But, um, you know, obviously you had Derek, Joe Kim, Noah, um, Lou Alden, Kyle corver um who are the who are the other I mean you know obviously I was there for the for the baby bulls years I can't remember if Ben Gordon ended up being one of them, but obviously ben Gordon was you know six man of the year like very prominent player um it had to be some of our best. you put me on the spot man <laughs> and, and now the, them two are gonna be mad at me too. <laughs> we might edit this one out. <laughs>
0: I mean I asked because we are in a pandemic right yeah. and there is a lot of top tier talent that mm-hmm. even though they have great talent they may not train or put in the same amount of work or even had the capability of putting the same amount of work I mean that that was yeah. one of the flaws of the bubble situation right because uh, of the fact that starting off there was a lot of sloppy basketball because people didn't have a lot oh, of, yeah. a lot of yeah. top, people didn't have places yeah. to train and you know, get in the gym per se while this pandemic, while they're still trying to figure things out with this pandemic. And not everybody can be LeBron James, where you can spend a, hundred, a million and a half dollars on your yeah, body and be yeah, perfectly yeah, fine yeah, like yeah. nothing
1: happened. Not, hey, hey, and not to mention where he started from before doing all that too. It's, it's kind of like Derek. Not everybody can be LeBron. Not everybody can be Derek. Not everybody can be MJ. I mean, there's some, some dudes where they're just specimens. So yeah, like you said, LeBron, not only that, and then he's, he's as meticulous as he is about taking care of himself is, is incredible. Right, it, it, it's, it's, it's really crazy.
0: And I just wonder, coming from um, your perspective with sports and, mm-hmm. and nutrition, how much of an impact did that really play even on this season as a whole, because of the fact that some of these athletes, like Luka Doncic, he started, mm-hmm. you know, he played in a bubble, mm-hmm. and then he started off the season out of shape. He was struggling yeah. to get in condition. They said there was reported that he wasn't, you know, he wasn't eating the best either, you know, things mm, of that mm, sort. Mm-hmm. How did, how much of an impact truly does fitness and training, especially in a pandemic, play yeah. a role in the efficiency of how a, yeah. top, a, a, yeah. a not just a top tier athlete but yeah. an athlete in general yeah. plays? Yeah.
1: Well, it's mad, and you know, obviously that's. A loaded question because of, you, you know, you think about all of the, the dynamics of just the pandemic itself and, and kind of what's going on over the course of the last year is, you know, we've, we've moved from as a society being able to really get together and connect in person to now very much isolated. But even, even when we are together, there's a stigma of like, nah, but stay six feet away from me you know? And so even, even that there's this, you know, I think there's this psychological piece to it that um, that can be hard, you know, for all of us and, and for those players as well. Um, You know, the, the early part of it, obviously there was so much uncertainty. um, But yeah, I mean, these guys couldn't even go to their, their practice facility. They couldn't even go to like, if they had a, uh, maybe a private facility that they that they go to they couldn't they couldn't do any of that and um, you know I think it was it was really the first time for a lot of these pro you know high level athletes where in a lot of ways they were on their own in terms of managing um, their fitness and and health and things like that now don't get me wrong you know all the teams I think are obviously in communication they're sending stuff but they're not physically there. And that's also something new for the teams. I mean, it's, you know, literally that's what we're building at at future. And it's not something you just snap your fingers and turn on and you do a great job at it. It's like, you know, for us, we've now spent three, four years building this and building playbooks and understanding what are the different touch points and how do you build a relationship and how do you keep someone accountable and support someone Without actually physically being there with them every day. So I think it was a big adjustment on both sides. Um, And then I think there's a little bit of like, there's not necessarily a finish line for a while of like, when do I need to be ready by? Do I even need to be ready? Are we going to have a season? Are we not? You know, that was so up in the air. Um, And so I think that's where. You really have to fall back on your habits um, and making a you know pretty big generalization here. You know, I would think a lot of the guy like a LeBron who have established those habits prior to all of a sudden the world being flipped on its head. Someone like him is going to be and turned out was <laughs> quite successful winning the winning the championship. But I think guys like that that could fall back into those habits. Um, you know, because they were a bit more on their own. Whereas some of the other guys that maybe don't have the education don't have the habits yet. Then, yeah, you know, I think, I think they're going to struggle because your, your fitness, your nutrition is, you know, I think on the, on the training side in terms of, you know, getting stronger, getting fitter conditioning, all that sort of stuff. What you're doing is you're trying to raise your capacity To be able to do high levels of work, big outputs, um, especially what's necessary, you know, on the court to, say, separate or, you know, um, offensively, defensively, things like that. Um, So you're building up your capacity to do that. And then with your nutrition and your sleep and your mental health, you're building the recovery ability to be able to do it consistently over time. I think one of one of the positive side effects in the in the bubble was no travel. So everybody was, you know, right there. You you literally just went back to your hotel room after every game. And and I know some people talked about that, but I think that maybe helped. You know, if, I think if they had gone right back into, into traveling and these get into a, a new city at 3 a.m., play at, you know, later that day, um, I think you you maybe see a, a lot more incidents of, of injury. Um, But then anyways, you know, fast forward and it's a very non-traditional offseason, especially for the teams that, you know, were in the bubble, played into the playoffs, played later. Um, I remember talking to Duncan Robinson about it. um, And it was probably a month, month and a half or so before camp. He still didn't know if they were going to have camp. He's like, well, I'm going to take a vacation because I need some time just mentally to get away from it. Um, But at the same time, I'm not sure if. You know, I just need to keep training, you know, straight through. And so I think a lot of the uncertainty um, has, has played a role. But it's like what we talked about earlier with, with Derek in those first three years. And for a lot of these guys at this level, especially some of the vets or the really athletically gifted players, um, it is going to be the consistency of their habits physically, um, as well as, you know, nutrition, what they're, what they're eating um, that's going to allow them to have that level of consistency. And it's really, it's true for all of us. And like, for us with future, that's essentially like the the problem that we're solving for is there's four main things that, um, really impact both the quality of our lives and our, and the length of our lives, which, you know, it's magnified for athletes because you're talking about ultimate performance, but for the rest of us, it's just how do we live? And it's, you know, how we move, how we eat, how we sleep, and how we manage our stress. And so it's those four things together um, where this pandemic, I think, has been really hard for all of us. And, you know, these NBA players, yes, they're millionaires, yes, they're all this, but they're human beings at the foundation of it all. So they're they're going through, you know, that that same challenge. The difference being, they do have that constellation of experts, you know, surrounding them every single day, um, who are able to guide them on that path.
0: Well, let's transition to you and the other human beings that help make this great company future uh, such success. Future, you know, is being, you know, let's put it this way, described as the fastest growing, as a fast growing, you know, fit tech company. Yeah. Um, yeah. You obviously being as one of the as the vice president of conditioning, training, and strengthening, um, go more in depth about how did future start? How did future become future? How did it get started? Yeah. How did that process go into play? And how and how did you want to you know get in the type of role which is pretty much very mm-hmm. similar to what you've been doing all your life?
1: Yeah. 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 Um. Well, you know, I, for us with with future, really how it started was our CEO Rishi Mandal, um, and he he has a really unique background in that he was a college athlete himself. He played soccer at Stanford, um, and, and so you know he came up through that sort of high performance environment. He experienced it firsthand, where it was like. I mean, if you want to be successful, like you have, you have literally every resource available to you, like you can't fail, you know, unless you got go out of your way. Um, and so that was the early foundation of, of his career. He ended up getting into some different things in tech. He was an astrophysicist by trade, worked at Google, started, you know, his own company. Um, but along the way, he ended up getting into venture capital himself and and was really interested in the health and fitness space and started learning more and more about it. And when you start to look at the health trends in our, in our country, um, they're they're continuing to get worse, which seems counterintuitive because now we're actually like bombarded by all this stuff like connected fitness products, nutrition, organic this, like, you know, all these different things. And so I feel like in, in a lot of ways, we're probably talking about it as a society more than we ever have, but yet when you look at the trends they're continually getting worse and in fact when we when we started the the when you know Rishi founded the company, it was at the time seventy percent of our country is obese or overweight, seven out of every ten people recently and now you throw the pandemic in there so there's a bit of an asterisk, but nonetheless it's actually gone up it's seventy five percent so it's getting worse and when you look at kind of the underlying root of that problem, 80% of us are not active enough or at all. And then what that results in, and we were kind of touching on earlier, is 80% of us will one day die of some type of chronic type condition or disease that's nearly entirely preventable. So it's things like heart disease, obesity, diabetes, hypertension, you know, all these type of things. And it's not... Uh, it's not rocket science to figure out that like we need to move more, we need to eat better, you know, these different things, but yet it doesn't happen. And how our healthcare uh, system is set up and, and, you know, hospital industry and everything like that is everything is reactive. It's not until you become obese or you have diabetes that now your doctor can tick a box um, and now you qualify for all this care and coverage and all these different things. When in reality, you know, it, it's really too late at that point. Like it's not, but it is. At, but bigger than that, something should have been done long before it ever got to that point. Um, and so when looking at this problem and thinking about how do we solve this at scale, the first place we turned, the first place you know, Rishi looked was obviously falling back on his, his background at, um, as a college athlete and all the support that he had And starting to dig a little deeper. And when you think about it, when you look at who is the small subset of people that have overwhelmingly solved this problem, and it's pro athletes, it's elite athletes, it's, you know, um, and actually also like billionaires, a lot of billionaires that have unlimited resources. um, And so we looked at how have they solved it. And it's the same across the board, every single one of them that gives a crap about being healthy, about managing their day-to-day health is overwhelmingly successful. And the reason for that is because they're able to outsource it. They're able to outsource every aspect of it. And for them, it's not even just the one-to-one, you know, performance coach, personal trainer, who, by the way, is in their life every single day. And and not even like they go to the gym to see this person, this person comes to them. They travel, this person, you know, like... uh, LeBron, everywhere he's been, the first person who's there is Mike Mancias, his trainer. He, he, he's been with him in Cleveland, he's been with him in Miami, the Lakers, even Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, Armando Rivas. Everywhere Jimmy goes, Armando's there. Minnesota, Philly, Miami. You know, and, and these guys travel in the offseason. You know, for Jimmy, he travels, Armando's with him. Same thing with LeBron. Mike Mancias is with them. Um, but beyond that, they actually have a whole constellation of experts. So they have not even a, just a dietitian; they have a personal chef, making it as easy as possible. Not telling you what to eat, literally setting it down for you. Here's here's what you need to eat when you need to eat it. It's already been prepared. They've done the shopping. They've cooked it. They know your taste preferences. They know you know everything that you need, dietary needs, um, you know all those sorts of things. And this continues on out to, you know, someone that's working with them on their mental health, mental performance, physical therapist, and all the way on out to their doctor. And they have this constellation, they have this team, and really the the power of it is just not, it's not just the expertise, but it's the relationship, is every single one of these people have, you know, I mean, the relationship Armando has with Jimmy Butler or Mike Mancias has with LeBron is insane. You know, they've been through all the ups and downs. You know, I'm I'm sure like LeBron gets in his low moments. Mike Mancini is one of the first people he's probably going to turn to. And Mike's been there with him. Mike understands how he ticks. Mike understand again. Thinking back, do I do I put an arm around him? Do I give him a, a kick in the butt? Because it's more than just the science. It's more than just you know the 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 plan. And so we looked at that and was like you know, despite like what we just talked about, you have all these incredible products, you have Peloton, you have Tonal, you have, you know, the mirror, you have um, uh, content type things where, you know, it's like uh, different classes I can do, streaming and all this. The missing piece with every single one of them, there's not a person, there's not a human connection, there's not a human relationship. And when you look at it, despite all of these things, every single year, millions and millions of people, you know, they, they try to get active again or for the first time and it's your new year's resolution people or whatever it is, 80% of them within the first couple months are no longer working out. And so the bet that we made was the missing piece is this relationship. It's, it's putting this person with you who's in your life every single day, who's able to ride the highs and lows of your life with you because they take the time to get to know you but they also are an expert and ambitiously for us was how can we pair you with like the best experts, people that um, have trained NBA players and Olympians and college athletes and all of that? Because those two things for the 99% of us just are not possible is even if you could afford it, you wouldn't have access to um, someone who like we, we have the former head strength coach of the Golden State Warriors. He's trained KD. He's trained, you know, Steph, Clay Thompson, Draymond. We have a former head strength coach actually uh, of the Bulls who came on after me. Like we have people like that. Now we're providing access to someone like that. And the the bet that we made was this person doesn't have to actually physically be there with you um, to have that impact, to to build that relationship with you where when everything else has failed for you, everything you've tried, think about it, 80% of us are not active enough for at all. It's not like we just sit around and never try. It's like, and you know these people, we, we are these people, you know? It's like you try, but nothing's worked, nothing's worked. You try something new, that didn't work, that didn't work. And so, so our bet was by pairing you digitally where this person is in your life that's going to be the missing piece that allows you to stick with it. And so far, that's you know that's what we're seeing is is all of our uh, across the board on average, every client who's signed up with us has has doubled the the number of times per week that they're working out. Um, and but you know I think the the most special part about it is it's not the transactional piece of the of the workouts; it's the relationships. Our clients are trading on average five text messages with their coach every single day, seven days a week on average. So literally you're talking to your coach on future more than you're talking to like some of your closest family members and friends. And this person becomes a friend. They become literally the front door of your day-to-day health. Um, And we started with coaching and pairing you with these elite, Amazing, you know, performance coaches, personal trainers, because it turns out that to be the head strength coach of the Golden State Warriors, you might not be a registered dietitian, but you know enough about nutrition to help the average person create better habits, eat better. You know, you know enough to help them think about sleep and sleep hygiene and and sleeping better and managing their stress and. You know, so we're able to start there, but then ultimately the vision is how do we end up laddering up into these other areas of your health over time? So we build out more formally a nutrition platform and mental health, mental performance and, you know, sleep recovery, stress, eventually on out one day to your doctor being a part of this platform. And now we have built, you know, this, this constellation of experts. So that's kind of the, you know, where we are now, but where we're thinking about going ahead is you know ultimately the goal is how do we help hundreds of millions of people one day live you know more quality lives but also longer lives
0: and um this and this brand this company future is also an app i believe it's i believe you can get it on apple Um, on Apple yep, yep. Watch or something like that? Can you go on yep, more yep. about how that actually so, works?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, right now, uh, Future is exclusively on Apple, iOS. Um, we're working on Android later down the road, um, but right now, Apple. And one of the reasons we started there is because of the Apple Watch. Um, and so for every one of our members who, who signs up, which you can find us at future.co or else in, in the App Store. Um, the future app, um, any one of our members, when they sign up, if, if you don't yet have an Apple watch, we send one to you, we loan one to you. And the reason that we do that is because our coaches are not physically there with you, but by having the Apple watch and wearing that as you're working out throughout the day, things like that, your coach is able to see uh, really like deep insights about what you've just done how you're progressing so immediately as soon as you finish your workout your coach is able to see your heart rate you're able to see your activity data if you went for a run they're able to see your pace your elevation your distance all these types of things which allows us as coaches the same way as you would with pro athletes to be able to adjust the plan throughout the week to you know how your body is responding what stresses are you going through Um, Because that's also the thing that pro athletes have is this very intelligent, um, almost kind of auto regulation to their programming, it's one thing to have a plant, you know, I think that's one of the things that um, we really leverage on is with some of these other products, where it's not personal, it's very fixed. So it's not taking into account, how are you actually responding uh, to the stress of that training, how have you been sleeping? All these sorts of things, which we're able to see with, with the Apple Watch, um, I think that also helps with that accountability piece. Because even though your coach isn't physically there, you know you know they they're going to see what you did. You know you can't just kind of mail it in like, oh, I did the workout, but then there's no you know there's no uh, data from your your Apple Watch going along with it. Um, so there's that accountability piece which is necessary as we, as we've talked about before, because without that accountability, you know, if I, if I'm using, if I'm doing something, maybe it's a, again, it's a, it's a Peloton ride or something like that. If I skip that Peloton ride, nobody's checking in with me. Nobody's saying, Hey, how are you? What's going on? You know, it's just, there's nobody watching. And that's a very powerful actual uh, psychological phenomenon is, is the observer effect. We're more inclined when we know someone's watching to, like do the right thing or to follow through with the thing that we said, you know, that, that we're going to do. Um, but you know how it works from there is you start out, you have a FaceTime call with your coach um, to get to know each other, to understand what your goals are, where you're working out, what equipment you have. And then from there, your coach builds you a custom workout um, week by week. And we do it week by week. Cause again, no week is is like the next. It, it's constantly changing what you have going on in your life. And even within the week, because of, again, that Apple Watch data, we're able to make adjustments within the week. Um, you're able to text back and forth, um, essentially unlimited. with your. Co- like I said, our, our, our clients are trading five messages a day with their coach on average. Um, and that's all right through the app. We're able to share videos, share pictures, all these different things. Um, So your coach very quickly becomes the front door to your day-to-day health. You know, like you, maybe if we're lucky, we go and see if if we're, you know, uh, uh, manage it, we go and see our doctor two or three times a year. With this, you're literally talking to your coach thousands of times over the course of the year. Um, And so we're having those conversations as well about nutrition and sleep you know, and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but then the, the workouts themselves are fully guided video and audio as well as custom recorded messages in every workout from your coach for you for today's workout. Um, so everything that you're doing as you're doing it, you're hearing the cues in your ear, you're seeing a video of it on your screen. You're seeing, you know, what it is on your watch, how many reps, how much weight, all those sorts of things. Um, And then when you finish, your coach sees everything that you've done and they're able to share that moment with you temporally and celebrate you, you know, for finishing that workout or maybe hitting a new PR, you know, things like that, provide insights based on what that activity graph, that heart rate graph is showing, or maybe you went up in weights, maybe you went down in weights, maybe you skipped a movement. Um, Our coaches are able to see all of this and make the adjustments.
0: Man, that's, crazy. <laughs> that's
1: <laughs> crazy.
0: I'm just sitting there analyzing like, yo, this is crazy. Yeah. Taking strength, yeah. like pretty much workout streaming in a pandemic yeah. like this to a whole nother well,
1: level. Yeah, I think, you know, and the, and the thing uh, to really call out is, is where we're focused on is kind of managing your day-to-day wellness, your day-to-day fitness <laughs> and health Whereas a lot of other products, the the connected fitness products, there's nobody actually there making sense of it for you. There's nobody making adjustments for you. There's no one, you know, guiding you along that path. So what's really interesting with what we're doing is we're able to actually plug into a lot of these really incredible brands. So a good chunk of our members do ride, a like they enjoy doing Peloton rides. So what our coaches do is they make sure you say, hey, you want to ride Peloton two days a week. They make sure that you ride, you get your your Peloton ride in both of those days that you don't skip it. And then after the fact, they see everything you just did. So they're able to comment on it. And then they're able to adjust the rest of your week with the other workouts that you have. And so I think that's the really unique thing for us um, is because ultimately one day to help hundreds of millions of people, it's not going to be a zero-sum game. It's going to be a lot of really talented people and brands and companies kind of coming together in some ways to complement each other to, for this sort of greater good. And I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, sometimes you don't intuitively think about, but I think that's one of the things that's maybe most powerful about what we do is we can sit at the center of all of it and complement, you know, all these other great products or, or, coaching and, you know, things like that.
0: That's great, man. That really is great. And for our audience that's listening right now, um, where can they get more information about these sessions and what future has to offer with what's the, is there a website, social media, where can people get yeah. more access to this information?
1: Yeah. So I would say the best place is our website. It's C O. Um, so you can go on our website um, and you know all the information of how it works is right there you can also take a look at our coaches because I think that's what sets us apart is I mean we literally have been now of course I'm biased but I say this unapologetically we've built the best coaching team in the entire world Um, and it's it's the largest coaching team of its kind behind the the military and it's literally it's people that have been NBA, NFL, NHL coaches, college, Olympics, um, you know, people with masters in sports psychology, people you know work high level group fitness and yoga, and, th- and so the diversity is just insane. And so to see that, you can go to um, our coaches page, which is future.co slash coaches, um, and that can be really helpful because there you can find who is someone that really stands out to you. Um, that feels like a really good match for your personality and your goals, um, and I think that's one of the powers of having so much diversity—is we have someone for literally anyone and everyone.
0: And for you personally, well, aside from you know future and everything that's going on <laughs> in your life, yeah. Um, do you have any other endeavors that you're thinking about getting yourself into, or are you even working on right now?
1: Yeah. You know, I think for me, it's, it's, we have, we have a lot of work ahead of us with, with future. Um, And so along that journey, I think one of the things that I'm really trying to do is, you know, we've built this incredible product that we know is changing people's lives. We know people love it. How do we now start to bring awareness to what we're doing and the power of it? Um, And so I've been trying to do that a bit more through social media. So my Twitter is at Jay um, And so I've been trying to do a lot more threads, um, kind of hosting some different live sessions and things like that um, with some top coaches and experts. Um, and really, you know, I think what it's about is helping other people unlock sort of that next level of performance for you, whatever that means. You know, obviously for a pro athlete and Olympian, it's, it's winning a medal. But, you know, for some of us, it's, it's just being, uh, you know, being able to be more active for our kids or, um, you know, sharpening, being fitter to sharpen mental skills to be better at work, you know, things like that. Um, so really a lot of a lot of things around that sleeping better, eating better um, and things like that.
0: Okay, well, obviously I'm gonna to continue to follow your work and what you awesome. do. I'm also gonna be hitting you up because you may have to be my bro. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm just, Let's just go. putting it out Let's there. Go. I, made, I made go. now know, we, we gotta get you on there. We gotta get you on there. Yeah. yeah we still, uh, there's still some time for you left. There's you know some we we start with like a G League tryout or something, get you ready for that, and you <laughs> know kind of work work your way from there. We got some time
0: for sure, man. For sure. You know what, Josh, we gotta stick together, um, yeah. and. That, that being said, though, you mentioned your Twitter, your social media. If you're everybody listening to the show right now, you can obviously follow me on social media at on Instagram and Twitter at Josh M Hicks media and continue to follow war media um, on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. We're all over the place and are doing a lot of great things. We are Regal Radio and, we are, and we're doing a lot of great stuff, especially with more ITS coming along the way soon. And Josh. I thank you so much for taking the time. I know we said it's going to be a short little thing, but you know, <laughs> uh, th- things you know, things you know, hey. out, of, out of hand. But man, I really,
1: when you relive those Bulls glory days, man, that's that's <laughs> what it tends to happen.
0: Yeah, I thank you so much though for really taking the time to come on my show, talk about everything you're yeah, doing, your man. experiences, including future. You know, I really do mean it. I want to keep in touch with you um yeah, even bring you it. back on the, and i'll obviously bring you back on the show to talk more about these strengths the strength yeah. and conditioning and fitness health things because it's very important and future has a lot to has a lot to offer with that so i definitely want to keep in touch and and bring you back on and you know even find a way to maybe even participating in some of these things because our mental yeah, health we'll and get health you on important. we'll
1: get you going
0: <laughs> for sure man thank you so much i really appreciate you i appreciate it and you continue to have a uh you continue to have a good rest of your day
1: You too. Thank you. I appreciate it.